Standing up for what you think is right can have consequences. The power is moving from the company to the individual. When government isn't doing what government should be doing, business leaders then have to step in and fill that void. Hello, I'm April Eccles with World 50. Welcome to Untethered World, leading in a time of chaos. As you're well aware, nearly three years ago, a global pandemic descended upon the world. COVID-19 completely upended life as we knew it. It was the rarest of black swan events, a once in a generation global shock, except that it wasn't. Alongside the pandemic, war erupted, employees quit in mass, supply chains were disrupted, the list continues. It would be one thing if we lived through a global pandemic, it'd be one thing if we lived through a great resignation or an inflection point on race or decline in, in the market. You know, the, the reality is that we're, we're doing all of these things at once and it's, these things are cumulative. That was Hanno Cabrera, Chief Communication Officer at General Mills. In addition to their typical remit, executives have had to shoulder the increasing burden of responding to and pivoting around major world event after major world event. In order to understand these trends and uncover best practices, we surveyed our members in March 2022. We received responses from 209 senior level executives representing an average revenue of $24.3 billion and then supplemented our results with in-depth interviews from another 28 leaders. In this podcast, we'll spend time talking and reflecting with them, finding out how they face the new call of leadership and are bringing employees to the front of their biggest decisions. This is part one of Untethered World, leading in a time of chaos. Virtually all of our respondents, 93%, agreed that non-traditional business issues have become a significant factor in their decision-making. Simon Zinger, Group General Counsel at Intain, estimates that these topics consumed 5 to 10 percent of his day four to five years ago. Now he says it's grown to close to 40 percent. But it has to be. You know, it has to be. And it, it, it does mean that maybe I'm trying to fit in what used to be 100 percent. None of that has slipped. It's just that I added one more you know, to, uh, to the role. But that, it, that's just the way it is. It has to be. The cadence of crisis after crisis has caused leaders to revisit the idea of what they consider core versus non-core issues. Radha Subramaniam, Chief Risk and Analytics Officer at CBS and President of CBS Vision, suggests executives reframe this binary in their minds. She speaks to how the world has dramatically changed the definition of a business, and because of that, its reaction to the world has to change. Business doesn't end with numbers and products. Its attention is now to its employees and the world at large. If you went to business school 10, 15, 20 years ago, there were rules about what is core and perhaps not core, but that's not the world we live in today. We don't live in theoretical businesses. If, say, you're in the food business, and there is no wheat because of the supply chain and specifically the war in Ukraine that is core, even though you didn't think of war as your core business responsibility, you know, 10, 15 years ago, right? In our specific world, I didn't think pandemic management 
was part of our jobs. But of course, pandemics impacted everything. If it's impacting your employees, it's a core business issue, even though you may not want to wade into those territories. Leaders are also having to adapt their leadership style. Not long ago, vulnerability was for the weak. Now admitting and embracing it has become almost a requirement. In our survey, 62% of respondents said they feel either very vulnerable or vulnerable when making a complex decision relating to a major external crisis. This openness extends all the way to the top of the organization. This means that many executives who succeeded because they projected confident competence may have to shift their strategies for success. D.G. McPherson, chairman and CEO of Granger, says the skill that's most important in leaders now is to be clear, you don't know everything. I think sort of the historical leader who maybe served from the top of the mountain and acted like they were all-knowing, I think that that's kind of dead given today's. It's not. There's still people who try to do that, but I think that's not very helpful. I think, you know, being real, just being clear about, hey, I don't, I don't know the answers here, but this is what I've heard. This is what I've seen. I think that is very valued right now for people. The most important decision we make as a leader is to decide who do we put in positions of power, right? Because there's very little we do on our own. It's more, you know, we we create an environment where others can do great things. Hubert Jolie, former chairman and CEO of Best Buy, goes on to say that purposeful and authentic leadership is key to creating a positive environment amidst this uncertainty. Leaders have to step away from the idea of being an all-knowing entity or superheroes, as Jolie puts it. It's much more about leadership uh, than expertise because we're going from a world where last century we were expecting leaders to be superhero, to be the smartest person in the room, to know everything and tell other people what to do. In this uncertain world, that doesn't help. Plus, nobody wants to follow these kinds of leaders. So uh, at Best Buy, we had articulated our leadership expectation. I think that every company needs to do this. It was about uh, the leaders to be, it, it was about purposeful leadership. So being clear about your own purpose in life and being curious about the purpose of people around you and how it all connects to the work. Being clear about your role as a leader is not to be the smartest person in the room, It's more about creating an environment where others can be successful. Being clear about who you serve. And I told the officers at Best Buy, if you're serving yourself, if you're here to serve yourself or your boss or me as the CEO, it's okay. I I don't have a problem with that. Except, oh, you cannot work here. We're going to promote you to being a Best Buy customer, which is all very exciting. We're going to love you up. (laughs) But, but, you know, you can't work here. On the other hand, if you're here to serve the frontliners and the organization, then, then we're good. Be values-driven. Of course, integrity is essential. We talked about it. And then be an authentic leader. And I think I would add, you know, there's a, there's a handful of words that we would never have used in the context of leadership 10 years ago, but that have become really important. So it's authenticity, vulnerability, humility, empathy, and humanity. When leaders gripped their vulnerability it gave them insight into how to run their businesses smoothly and with an intention on its community. Supermanium speaks to how that simple shift brought her closer to her employees and gave her perspective on their next best moves. I had to take a moment and 
see that all of those things that shook me to my core and made me vulnerable and made me not want to get out of bed were the things that were terrific and great about me. I wanted to lean into these things because these things are the things that make me a terrific mother, a terrific leader, and honestly, a great human being. And then I had to reformulate myself for how to be strong in this time of chaos. On top of being more vulnerable, leaders are rethinking their communication styles and being more deliberate in this hybrid environment. For instance, Cabrera uses his background in politics to draw similarities between retention of political slogans and corporate communications. When you're on a political campaign, you assume that voters really aren't all that interested in what you have to say, right? Like you, That's why they spend millions upon millions of dollars on advertising, because the assumption is they're just going to tune it out the first five, ten dozen times. You almost have to repeat it constantly. And the campaigns that are typically successful, you actually remember their slogans. The ones that aren't, like, you struggle to recall them. And, and the reason I mention this is because think of that in this environment. A number of our employees are now working from home. Some are coming in. But when you're working from home and you close that laptop because you have that break, you are immediately disconnected from work. There's no signage around you. There's nothing telling you what's coming up. You are in your home, your private setting. I think what uh, that has done that's more tangible right, more tactical than just talking about authenticity, is that we've had to have a discipline of language in the pandemic. Like, this is specifically our enterprise plan for this time. And it's natural that sometimes people want to tweak it or change it. And there are plenty of reasons why we can and should. But driving into employees through every channel and opportunity that we have, we have a vision for the company and we're marching toward it and we're being successful. Here are the proof points has been really important because it is part of the discipline um, of campaigning, the political war room brought to the corporate boardroom, if you will, that I think has made a big difference in this time. Despite all these changes and added responsibilities, Rajesh Thacker, VP for Global Sourcing and Logistics at GE Power, believes there's actually no better time to be an executive. I tell my team all the time that this is what differentiates between uh, the rookies and pros. You, you really cannot just go on a field and try to figure it out. While in some ways there is no recipe to exactly how to, to do some of these things, if you really follow the certain basic principles of leadership and managing uh, in uncertain environment, uh, you usually come out better in how to deal with something like this. And here, everybody's going through somewhat similar challenges So the better you can manage the situation, the better outcome you can do for your customers. Truly, you can differentiate yourself for them. And also the way you take care of your employees, it becomes truly a sticky way to win in the long run. Taking care of employees began out of necessity, keeping them safe while keeping things running. Businesses compromised by letting employees work remotely, and some even invested in their home technology. Even still, Many of them chose to leave just as the global economy came out of hibernation. Some called this the Great Resignation, others the Great Reset. Whatever the name, it was and remains the biggest shift in power in a generation or longer. 
all of the things that, that lead to so much chaos in our world today aren't making it easier. There's almost a lack of the stability, which just causes people to reflect on who they are, what they're doing, what they want, and maybe what they want is, is, is different on, on a much more regular basis, which, which again, as a company trying to attract talent and stabilize people in terms of uh, being loyal and with you for a long time, it's very difficult. That was Zinger again. At Lexmark, Sharon Votaw, Senior Vice President and Chief Human Resources Officer, is seeing a similar effect. As far as the employee retention, you have no choice but to pay attention to it. We, we have a headquarters in Lexington, Kentucky. And so we were able to, in the past, because Lexington's a great place to raise families, you know, people would come to Lexington and they'd stay at Lexmark because they didn't want to leave Lexington. Well, now companies in California and New York and all these places are saying, work at home. And so people are leaving Lexmark, but not leaving Lexington. And so you have to pay attention to employee retention now because of the the changing work dynamic. For Antoinette Gavin, president and CEO of Terramo BCT, it's always been about the employee. Having the right people is sometimes more important than having the right strategy. I always start with people, process, product. If you put the right people in the right roles and the right tools and you have a clear process and you think about that process, the output will come. And if you think of that as a circle and that's wrapped around your customer or your end objective and you have that continuous feedback, the dollars will come. If you start with the dollars, you will make short-term decisions. I grew up as an auditor in finance, right? I can rip apart a balance sheet and tell you where to find 10% savings overnight. Are those the right things to do for the long term? Maybe, maybe not. But if you think of that as a virtuous cycle that starts with the employee, because at the end of the day, we talk about culture. What's the phrase? Culture eats strategy for lunch. Culture is a collection of people. I can say I have a great culture, but if I let one jerk stay on my leadership team, we kind of all lose credibility, right? So for me, I think it's always been there. Due to a myriad of forces, employees continue to move from an afterthought to the forefront of conversations. In fact, in our survey, we asked members to rank their priorities today versus three years ago. What we found is astonishing. Employees' reactions have become the single biggest consideration For leaders making a complex decision, ranking higher than boards, brand images, investors, and shareholders, and rising dramatically from fifth place three years ago. For Cabrera, this change meant that restructuring their internal communications was key. Yeah, I mean, I look at the world pre-pandemic and then where, where we are now. And to some degree, if you were to just look at it through the lens of my discipline, which is communications, things were inverted relative to today. It was 100% about the consumers. Internal communications always had the lament of being um, the afterthought to the function. The pandemic has changed because when we talk about things like the great resignation, about mental health, about the stress of this time and how it's just building as we go, there isn't really all that much for the brand team to do, for the reputation team to do. It, it has come down to employee engagement in internal communications and having that constant cadence of care that 
matters for people. From a communications perspective, one, we just declared our intent. Internal matters more than ever. And it's this team that gets differential support. Then we looked at the different functions because if you weren't part of the internal team, you might say, okay, yeah, that makes sense. They're, they're going to give more resources to them. We wanted to make sure that they understood you, you are those resources that we're giving to them. <laughs> and so if you were a part of the corporate brand storytelling team, communications ops team, or consumer care team, you were specifically told you're now in service of internal communications. Some part of your function needs to better support this because this is now just a different time. You know, again, like I, when you think of it against supply chain, people almost immediately understand, yeah, of course you have to reinvent supply chain. When you think of it in terms of communications, I'm not sure, if, I'm not sure how many companies decided to rejigger it intentionally, but eventually got there. But it, it was important for us to shift. Executives are prioritizing being people first and thinking about employees not as a monolith, but as a collection of individuals. Gavin uses the common comparison of work teams to families to help illustrate the complexities within this viewpoint. I don't actually think of us as a family. I'm building a different community because family has some different obligations. And at the end of the day, even in our organization, if there's something that's conflicting with your family commitments, they have to come first, not us. You know, we want people who give all out to the company, but that's not the reality of the day. So when you think about the politics, the social aspects, and the fact that we think of vaccinations as a political issue, right? That's kind of crazy. In the old days, you just it wasn't a political issue. And I think of if we really want to engage associates and we want to engage our employees, we have to see them as individuals. And they are all uniquely different. A simple story from a ways ago, I was running a joint venture. My engineering leader was uh, female. We were the only women in the system. We're wildly different, right? We just thought about things differently, different backgrounds. I grew up poor, she grew up rich, whatever. But because we were both women, everyone assumed we would vote the same way on everything and we agreed. Well, we're not all alike, right? And there's so many flavors of that. So if all this does is forces us to unpack and get to the essence of each individual and understand where they fit, where they're motivated, why they're motivated, and how do you unleash their potential, then you can start creating different project teams and different ways of looking at things that we haven't even thought about yet. Time spent on employee retention has increased significantly in the past three years, with 92% of leaders spending more time on retaining talent. Offering flexibility is another option executives are taking to appeal to the workforce. But what exactly does that look like in action? Margaret Keene, executive chair and former CEO of Synchrony Financial, approaches flexibility by offering additional employee benefits. For instance, we did introduce a sabbatical for all employees where they can take a leave of absence and you know be guaranteed a job coming back. And that's for all levels of the, of the company. So I think we've done that. I think we've continued to support. And I think this is one that 
I think we're all still struggling with a little bit, which is childcare, but we continue to support our childcare benefits where we're offering people $100 a day to have people come in in their house while they're working at home to help with their children. So that's continued. Many agree that compensation is another important factor in responding to their employees' needs. In a recent World 50 study, 90% of members said they were increasing wages somewhat or a lot. However, it's not everything. In addition to compensation, flexibility, and a strong culture, employee wellness is near the top of the list. Of our members surveyed, 89% are spending more time addressing the needs of employee wellness and mental health. Jackie Yaney, former CMO at Tableau, offers an important reminder for leaders that she learned from a resilience professor. Whatever stress level you're feeling, it doubles each layer you go down. So if you've got a team where there's five or six layers, if you will, that person on the ground is really feeling a lot of uncertainty and stress. At the end of the day, talent is a critical component in the business model, says Domingo Miron, chief risk officer and head of Spain, Portugal, and Israel at Accenture. And while the power dynamic may shift and approaches may differ, companies are still having to make changes to remain competitive. In any business, especially in, in Accenture, I mean, we are a people's company. We need to attract the best talent of the world in innovation, entrepreneurship, commitment. We need people absolutely open and, and willing to learn every day. I mean, talent is, is our critical component in the, in the business model. No? So if we want to attract the best talent in the world, we need to recognize that the power in the relationship is not anymore only in the company. It's true that maybe giving the full authority and, and power to the employees is too much, but we need to find the right balance between what are the interests of the individual and the interests of the company. I think uh, one of the consequences of this shift in relevance and talent being the top one is purpose. So now the company, Accenture, and I think in general, the companies, we must be clear on what is our purpose. But not, not only be clear in explaining, but in behaving the purpose in everything we do. That's the way to get this balance of people, individuals, talent, and, and company interest. So as there is a strong demand, I mean, in some way, the power is moving from the company to the individual. Left unsaid is the question of whether increasing employee power will last should the world fall into a global recession something many members think is looming. If companies begin to lay people off and shareholders clamor for better results, will the pendulum swing back again? Or has this shift in leverage become permanent? Miron continues with his point of view. I think it changed forever. Because this idea, the core of the change is not the quantity, it's the quality. We want to have the best talent in the market. So no matter if a recession creates some extra capacity, you will be always focused and obsessed now, differently from the past, to really keep with you the best talent. And the best talent has always offers to work everywhere. I mean, we are fighting to get the best professionals. We can slow down recruiting, slow down growth, whatever you want. But I don't think the shift in authority and power would come back to the past. I don't think so. I think because it's a better way to do business. 
very frankly, we do it because it's, it's the right thing to do, but we do it because we will be more successful in business performance by doing so. We hope that you have found this research useful and that some of the perspectives expressed here are helpful as you address these challenges. Part two of Untethered World, Leading in a Time of Chaos, will be available soon. However, the full report is available now and can be viewed at untethered-world.com. And please share your feedback with us or ask further questions by contacting info at untethered-world.com. Thank you for listening.